Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Five the zones non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, six o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 1045 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. My name is Jason Martin. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. And as always, I'm blessed beyond reasonable and unreasonable measure, unearned and undeserved. Hope you recognize that you are as well. That's a conversation I'd love to have with you. If that stirred something in you, my DM's always wide open at jmartzone. This show brought to you by Renner's Warehouse and a new sponsor I want to welcome into the show, Pollen. Ladies and gentlemen, Pollen. And usually I only uh, let ad reads come onto this show of things that I use. And I'm not a fan of Pollen, so I'm going to have to have a talk with the sales staff. But hopefully my voice is going to be able to hold up for the next hour. I have brought in reinforcements, my partner in crime on the Pop 6, as we are uh, getting close to finishing up our deep dive into the office. And this dude has been in the office relentlessly over the past couple of months preparing for the NFL draft, which is now in the rearview mirror. He's the executive producer of Titans Radio. Rhett Bryan joins me here today. Rhett, what's up, man? I'm just uh, like the rest of us recovering from the draft. And it wasn't because I was hobnobbing and uh, partying like a lot of folks were on Broadway. But what an event. Um, Nashville exceeded by far the expectations um, the NFL put out, you know, pub on Monday. It's the most viewed, most attended, and most successful draft in NFL history. That's eight. That was the 84th draft. Way in, more. In a centennial year of pro football. In terms of attended, oh, gosh. it wasn't even close. 600,000 plus, and they were, they were saying 250, 300, 250, 300. 250 is what Philadelphia did, yeah. and that was the record going into this. They didn't just double it. They doubled it and added another 100,000 plus. Here in Nashville, and the way I led my show off last night was this is what this city does. When you bring a large event here, this is kind of what happens. And I wonder how many people are paying attention in other organizations about bringing events here. But from what you expected it to be, what was it? So much more. I mean, and, and it starts at a local level. You know, Butch Spearden and his folks with the Visitor and Convention Bureau, whatever his title is, I forget. But uh, his folks, Metro Nashville Police and First Responders, I mean, you had 14 arrests in 600,000 yeah, plus That's incredible. It's, un it's unbelievable. Yeah, a lot of people just having a good time but not right. causing trouble. Um, it, it just the whole, I mean, Nashville was made for something like this with Broadway having that footprint that leads to the Cumberland River with all the honky-tonks and bars and the way all of it's set up to be able to do this. Um, two moments that stand out for me that made it real for me as I have been preparing for this for quite some time since it was announced. One, when Eddie George came out on night two 
to make the 52nd, 51st overall pick wearing Steve McNair's jersey. Yeah, I wasn't expecting that. That was just another, it was just another really nice touch on top of the fact that everybody's going to be chanting Eddie and you could hear it reverberating all down Broadway as soon as you realized it was time for for 27 to come out there. But him to wear that nine jersey was, was really special. And that way Steve McNair was a part of this. Yes. Because as sad as that story is, he should be here and have been a part of that. And you kind of feel like he was here. Yeah. As a part of this. That's right. This city is nothing without Steve McNair when it comes to its athletic endeavors. And certainly with pro football uh, in the Mid-South. And then the second moment was later that night when the Cleveland Browns at pick, uh, I forget what it was. Maybe it was the 49th pick right before Eddie Mm -hmm. came out. But when Jim Brown came out to make that. I mean, this is arguably the greatest player in NFL history. Yes. He is, in my mind, the greatest NFL player. Uh, who's now in his 80s. You can see he's not getting around great, and he's got a cane. Uh, that made it real to me right there. I'm like, this man came for this event. This is the essence of the National Football League. Yeah. What did you think about Reggie Wayne? Kind of, uh, I expected something like that. I thought you know, it him was and funny. McAfee both, and it was playful. Whatever. I mean, somebody I, called know. me yesterday and said, "What classless moves?" Blah 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 blah. <laughs> I'm just like, calm down. He doesn't take things Nashville. way too seriously. He's a competitive dude who dominated right. you for a long time, and he just needled you and decided to play the villain. I, I thought it was actually pretty well handled. And, and the minute that you know a guy like Drew Pearson did it in Philadelphia, Cowboy, you know that NFC yes. East rivalry, you had to figure something like that was going to happen. Uh, calm down, enjoy yourselves, and you know if they can go fuel that into something and turn it into a win over Indy this year, great. But uh, just calm down a little bit. Uh, I, and the other thing too that makes this event more popular every year is incorporating what they do with selections after night one is done. Mm. For instance, they, you know, Christian Abercrombie, oh, that, that plays great. for Tennessee State, that just for all intent and purposes should not be here. No. And for him to make that fifth overall selection, um, the fifth round pick, I should say, mm. for the Titans, uh, you know, Mike Keith and our crew. On Saturday, we talked about this, that for the first responders, the medical, everyone that has been through his process, that was their draft because he was there to be upright, breathing, and say that and take part in that when he right. probably should not be here. Yeah. It, <laughs> but those things with, you know, soldiers, survivors of uh, f- veterans that died in wars, their families coming in making picks, uh, kids make a wish, you know, illnesses. It, it It is what encapsulates the spirit of the NFL and how they work that into those things. It's just so neat to see that happen. And that's just, it, you know, it is a league event. All 32 teams are undefeated this time of year. Your team is the greatest. You love it. And it's all hope. It is hope. hope. Hope springs eternal. And the other thing, too, Jason... When I was preparing for our broadcast to go on on Thursday night on the General Jackson right there on the river, as I'm walking up through the NFL experience to get on the boat, it hit me. I'm like, okay, this is about to happen, and this is real because everywhere you turned, there was a jersey of one of every of the 32 teams. Sometimes it was a husband and wife that had a disagreement. One was a Packers, one was a Bears. Uh, Father, son, whatever. Um, You could certainly see the NFL's footprint here. They came in, they took it over, they owned it. Nashville helped them own it. 
I've never seen anything like it. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable, and it's also unbelievable how easily it was able to be taken down after the fact. Yeah. I mean, they got the stage down, and now Nashville looks like Nashville again. For that Unreal. week, they did, and they, they built a Heisman house. Yeah. I mean, just I was walking up, and I was like, where did this building come from? Oh, they constructed it. <laughs> I mean, it, it's like a back lot in Hollywood. And I, I said this yesterday, and I thought about it all weekend long. Other than Vegas, Vegas is going to be very unique as well because of the scenery the and party. all of that. It's, yeah. it's going to be very impressive. Outside of that, I don't think you can duplicate this anywhere nope. else because nowhere else has a Broadway that's right there at the stadium. That's right there where you can put a stage and then you can just have a wall of people that looks like four presidential inaugurations all lined up in one. And just from an, when you got that wide angle aerial shot from up high where they're dollying the cameras all the way down through the line, that's one of the more just impressive kind of breathtaking things that you can see. And that's why Adam Schefter and Ian Rappaport and everybody else is just like, Okay, we had no idea it was going to be like this. No draft has ever looked like this before. And I don't think any draft's going to look like this again until they come back here. And that's the thing that I was left with that I came to realize over the weekend. I thought it was a one-and-done thing, and it's going to be great, and they made it happen just as good as we thought they could and even more. But as well as it went off, I think it's imminent that they come back. I don't know if it's in five years, if it's in ten but the, the league takes notice of those things, and once you have their attention, they'll go back to that well, and Nashville will be that well again. The question, and I think we've all talked about this over the past couple of years as Nashville has become more and more the it city along with Austin, Texas, but Nashville more so in terms of being able to host events like this. What was this a dress rehearsal for? Was this a dress rehearsal for a college football playoff championship game? Was this a dress rehearsal for a potential Super Bowl I laid out the case, and we did 45 minutes on Squared Circle Radio last year, laid all the buildings that exist to make this a WrestleMania week for Vince McMahon or a SummerSlam week where you could have the Hall of Fame at the Ryman Auditorium and look like nothing they've ever done before. You could host NXT TakeOver at Bridgestone. You could host Access at the Music City Center. You could host Ring of Honor and New Japan and all the other promotions at War Memorial and all these other buildings. You have every possible thing you need except a stadium with a roof. Yeah. So is that the thing that holds you back from getting that? Maybe the World Cup. I saw Paul Kaharski write that on his website last night at paulkaharski.com. FIFA, were you paying attention? I tweeted out on Friday, Vince McMahon, are you paying attention? There's no excuse now because, look, it's not just the NFL. NFL, you're going to have a good turnout generally. The NHL All-Star Game, when it was here a few years ago, Nashville turned out for that too. Sure they did. All the NHL and all the media that were covering that, all they were talking about is, holy cow, this is fun. That's how it happens every single time. Yep. No, you're exactly right. I think it immediately sets up something for at least Vince McMahon, McMahon to consider a WrestleMania uh, because he knows that Nashville's capable of executing it and doing it um, <clears throat> with all the venues that you described. I think in other sports landscapes, uh, maybe not the winter classic just because you have the bowl game and all those things going on, but certainly the stadium series in the NHL. That could be pulled off at Nissan. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think a college football playoff game could easily be, be done here. Now, Super Bowl is a whole other deal, yep. and we know that that requires three main things. One, probably a domed stadium. Yep. Two, plenty of convention space and i'd probably say they don't have enough of that but the one thing i'm sure they don't have a, enough of is hotel rooms 
it requires an enormous amount of those, and Nashville currently is probably half to three-quarters of the way there in, in reaching the number that the NFL needs, and the number I've always heard is 50,000 rooms. It just it feels like to me that within our lifetime, obviously we're not guaranteed tomorrow, but within what we expect our lifetime to be, feels like there could be a Super Bowl here. Yeah, oh, I think down the road, absolutely. I mean, there, there's a, the only thing that there are more things in Nashville than people is cranes. <laughs> True. I mean, there's stuff being built. Condos and high-rises and yeah, everywhere. That's right. No, you're right. 50,000 rooms. How many rooms does Nashville have? Do you have any idea? Do you know what the estimate I want to say it's headed right around 25,000 okay, so rooms. There's a lot of work it, there. May, maybe, it, maybe, it's more, maybe it was over 30. I, I remember when the draft was awarded to Nashville almost a year ago, I remember Butch Spirited and his folks saying that eleven to twelve hundred more rooms would be online by where we are right now in time. Um, but yeah, I, it, you're a ways off from that, and and I'm not sure if that's the eight county metro area, how that number works. You know what? Because you, if you're having a Super Bowl, you're going to have rooms uh, sold out in Murfreesboro, Franklin, Lebanon, you know wherever. Um, but it certainly lends attention to other events. Uh, I think you could have a, a, a college basketball Final Four here. I mean, it, you could sure. do all kinds of things based on what you saw this deal. Yeah, and since Reggie Wayne decided he wanted to go after Titans fans, I mean, <laughs> there have been a Super Bowl in Indianapolis, for crying out loud. Right. There's nothing to do in Indianapolis but call people and say, hey, I'm in Indianapolis. There's nothing else to do I'm there. in the Circle City. Well, was it Peter? I think it was all the media people when they had to follow the Pacers because Reggie Miller was actually good, is that they called it Nap City when they went to Indianapolis because that's what you did before the game, is you napped in your hotel room because there was nothing else to do. <laughs> that's pretty good. So take I that, Reggie that Wayne. <laughs> so that's just a look at Nashville. When we come back on the other side, we'll actually talk about what the Tennessee Titans did in the draft and maybe some other interesting things that happened over the three days. I also want to ask Rhett what it was like being on a boat broadcasting on the General Jackson. So we will continue up next here on the Big Six here on 104. Welcome back in. Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us as always. My name is Jason Martin. You can follow me on Twitter at jmartzone. Just so you know, a little bit of house cleaning here. Thursday and Friday before the wake-up zone, you'll hear me as I'm in for Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio Thursday and Friday morning. And I'll be on next Wednesday as well. So uh, the blessings just continue to come. And I appreciate my Lord and Savior so much for those. We are brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to helping homeowners become rent estate investors by renting their homes instead of selling. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. We're talking a lot of draft, a lot of NFL today. Rhett Bryan, executive producer of Titans Radio. Joining me here, he's at Rhett B. Tennessee on Twitter. And, of course, at Titans Radio is something you should have been following a long time ago. If we could just put Coach Dave McGinnis in charge of the Twitter feed. You know, Coach, Can you imagine the Bitmojis? Oh, my gosh. I I've, I've never seen Bitmojis in my life like Coach Mac. Yeah. Christmas time, I got like four Bitmojis <laughs> of him like holding Christmas ornaments. It's ridiculous. <laughs> he... Uh... I have a feeling his Twitter game would be very strong, much oh, like yeah. Jeff Fisher's is right now. Jeff Fisher's an incredible follow on Twitter right now. Yeah, Jason Lockhamfora found out all about that. Yes, he did, the hard way. So, General Jackson, I look out the window in the media tent on Thursday, uh, and I see that boat, and I'm like, wow, Times Radio is broadcasting from that thing. Yep. So how was that experience? Well, 
once we knew that we could actually connect and right. broadcast, uh, which was a fear of Philip Noel's and Brad Willis in mind, and we were trying to make sure we were connected, uh, it was really cool. Uh, we're able to to set up our equipment just like we would in a booth for a broadcast. Every night, absolutely packed to the gills with uh, Titan season ticket members who were there in full force and stayed late every night waiting for what the next pick was going to be it was a great experience they put us right on the stage where you would see a show there and uh sound was good um people were good content was good it was an experience unlike any we'd ever had and we were fortunate to be a part of that well you guys worked your rear ends off saturday was quite a day for all of us as the draft went on most of the day and then it was time to go to see winery yes at night and of course you were the master of ceremonies for the leukemia and lymphoma society Man of the Year kind of finale banquet, which was quite an event. And Jonathan Hutton, who had been working like crazy over the three days past, won Man of the Year. And that was that's the, all his own uh, listeners That right was there. the cherry on top of the week for sure me personally, and I think for a lot of us in this building and certainly on Titans Radio, that uh, if anybody deserved to win that, it was him because of the forethought and the planning I mean, anything that you donated to him that was an event or whatever, you more than got your money's worth. Yeah, I mean, we sat he in on all those meetings. We sat in on those meetings, and when I listened to him start laying out everything, when he would send me the emails and the things that I would you know, help him kind of construct from a writing perspective and things like that, I was just like, man, I would have not have even thought of this idea or this idea. Sure. And it takes so much legwork and so much stuff behind the scenes. And that yeah. dude's got a full-time job. Yep. He had that for uh, about three months and been working on it longer than that because he, he was batting around the idea yeah. back last fall during yeah, the football he was. season, trying to do uh, brainstorm ideas, but uh, raised a lot of money for an excellent cause, and it was. It was a perfect ending to a really good week. Jeffrey Simmons at 19. That's the move that J-Rob makes. There were reports right after the first round that, and I think actually John Robinson came on Titans Radio and said this, that multiple teams had called and said, hey, we'll take that 19 spot. But he didn't feel like he could turn down. And this is what's interesting to me. A player and a person like Jeffrey Simmons, because when you talk about Jeffrey Simmons, unfortunately, there's an incident that has to be discussed there. But I want to say this, and I didn't get to this yesterday on the show as I'd hoped to. I spoke about this on, on Sunday on my Fox Sports radio show. The way ESPN chose to handle this immediately after the fact, they went five minutes on nothing but the incident, and it was Trey Wingo on a one-shot like he was Mike Wallace in 1970-something. There was nothing about his talent or anything. Nothing was really presented with the kind of nuance that I would have liked in this situation. You have to discuss his past. I get that. I totally understand that. But what responsibility do you think we hold and the media or broadcasters hold largely to make sure that there is nuance and there is balance. I think you can talk about the incident and you can obviously talk about the ACL and you can also show highlights and talk about what he was able to do. And look, this kid could be really, really good for this football team and hopefully he's able to put you know what's happened in the past behind him because it is a very complicated situation. It would have been irresponsible not to mention it, but to only mention it kind of left a sour taste in my mouth. Well, and it's funny you should say that because obviously we're on the air and I didn't see it, um, but I went back and watched it. And it was executed a lot the way it was described to me, a hatchet job on yeah. his character. Yeah. And look, I have a daughter that'll be 17 years old this year. 
I understand why people are upset. I understand why the incident is as serious as it is. But by all indications, he's been a model citizen since. And when the controlling owner of the Titans, who happens to be a lady, says he deserved and needed a second chance, that's all I need to know. And I'll tell you this. I'll tell Jeffrey Simmons the first day I see him the same thing I'm about to tell you. Jeffrey Simmons, I will judge you the day I haven't made a mistake. <laughs> and I'm just not. We, we are in the age of overcorrection in terms of we are quick to judge be executioner and jury of everything no matter what we see here or do and i am glad that we don't that we don't have that kind of person looking out for us upstairs because uh if that's the case i'm in trouble yeah i mean yeah i mean it talks about that it talks about you know god's anger lasts just a moment but his favor lasts a lifetime and he's slow to anger very much so Anger is so supposed to be something that that's passes. what I'll say about his personal stuff. Um, did I, uh, you know, did I do I have bad thoughts about him doing what he did? Sure, I mean it's terrible. Was it worse? I will say this: Was it worse because of the Tyreek Hill information coming out a couple of hours before the draft? I think that had a lot so to do, do with it being on the radar. I think it was going to come up, but I think maybe ESPN's stance on it was enhanced and magnified because of that coming out in the same window news cycle wise i think you're exactly right and i'm surprised they didn't actually mention the two together because the whole point if you wanted to make the point is tyree kill also was a guy that you heard did everything right after the first incident community service court-ordered counseling said all the right things about his family and then this is what we get right but you can't apply one situation to the other but i do feel like there was a conscious decision made all right we're going after this guy and I don't necessarily know what it benefited. I will say that Booger McFarlane immediately looked dead into the camera and said, every single person I've talked to in the SEC that I trust, and I know that guy has a whole lot of connections, just swears by him, swears by the character of Jeffrey Simmons. And I think your point about Amy Adams Strunk, when I finally thought about that on Friday, that's why I decided to write at the Big Six blog on yeah. Saturday about Jeffrey Simmons because she's a female owner. And she's the one that's giving him a second chance. Right. So how on earth can we not show the same level of grace and give him an opportunity to prove an isolated incident was, in fact, an isolated incident at a bad time that, that he's able to grow from? And the other thing is he never ran from it. He owned it. Right. And still owns it now. And I've tried to compare it to sort of Virginia last year with the national championship game. Tony Bennett. One of the reasons I think and the reason I picked them to win before the tournament started was because they owned their failure. And Tony Bennett said, look, this is part of our story, but it's not the end of our story. This season's also going to be a part of our story. And that's what it is. Everybody, we all have blemishes in our past, things that we wish we hadn't done. This one, unfortunately, is a very big black mark, and he is a public figure. So that makes it you know, more problematic on some fronts. But at the same time, He's got a life to live, and all I know is I'm rooting for him. In his press conference, <laughs> he knocked that thing out of the park. The other, the other ringing endorsement for me in all this is we had John Robinson on on Thursday night after the selection, and we weren't going to go into great detail about the incident in 2016. Is that because you didn't think John would no. want to get into that, or is it just because we, we you know, 
we're going to play ball. We're Titans sure. Radio. Right. We're an extension of, of the team with a right. partnership. Uh, and certainly it needs to be talked about. But <laughs> John Robinson offered it up. And he said, we've talked to a lot of people about this young man. And he said, and he did not reveal who this person was, but he said, someone that I trust implicitly told me that if Jeffrey Simmons was at his door asking to date one of his daughters, uh, he said, I would not think twice about it at all. Absolutely, 100%, he could. Um, That's a ringing endorsement. And when you think about the football side of things, you know, the first thing that Titans fans or people in the NFL are like, well, this guy tore his ACL in February and he's not going to be ready. Why would you take a guy that's going to be basically a red shirt year in the NFL? Have you seen this guy play? I mean, he's not the same size. This guy's Albert Hainsworth. Yeah, he's, he's top in, five in, talent. In terms of a Titans type relatable deal, he is, he's that kind of dude. We had, uh, after the Titans took Amani Hooker, uh, in the fourth round at 116, we had Kirk Ferentz on mm-hmm. Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. And before he got off the phone to tell us about what kind of dude Amani Hooker is, he said, by the way, that Simmons kid y'all took at 19, he said, I've been here 20 years. He's one of the toughest defensive guys we've ever had to scheme against. Well, you heard what Greg Cosell said. I mean, and speaking of really good at his job. Yeah. <laughs> and Greg Cosell was on this radio station like he was employed by us yeah. last week. He was yeah. all over the place. But what he said about Jeffrey Simmons was his tape was better than Quentin Williams. Yeah. I mean, Quentin Williams, many believed, was the best player in the draft. It was kind of him and Nick Bosa are the two guys that you heard most Our going into Mike the Our expert Mike Dettelier, that was his number one guy in his book in the MD draft report was Quentin Williams. And yeah. he was just as nearly as high on Jeffrey Simmons. And Titans fans, anybody listening to, to the the Big Six tonight, wait till you see this guy in person. He is a grown man. We're going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to talk a little bit more about the other draft picks. And also, I want to get uh, Rhett's opinion of the ringer piece that I, I kind of played for you last night where they compared Jeffrey Simmons to Chris Jones. That'll work, won't it, Titans fans? Be right back, Big Six, 104.5. Rolling right along here on a Tuesday, presented by Renner's Warehouse, presented by Pollen. This is the Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Still trying to get through it. I'm Jason Martin on Twitter at jmartzone. Rep Brian was laughing in the background. He's at Rep B Tennessee. He's the executive producer of Titans Radio. All right, Rep. We talked a lot about Jeffrey Simmons in that last segment. He is injured. ACL yeah. tear back in February during draft workouts. I'm going to ask an interesting question that I don't know. It's not me reaching. It's just what I thought about when they took Jeffrey Simmons was okay. What this maybe tells me is. They don't think that they're as close as some fans might think they are because they took a guy at 19 that probably can't help them this year. Maybe helps them for the last four games, but even so, getting into the swing of things, this is more like a 2020 draft pick, right? And and that, uh, for all intent and purposes, and the way medical process is now coming back from an ACL, yeah, that's that's probably right. But I'll tell you this. Um... the same day that they drafted him, they signed Brent Urban, mm-hmm. who is a monster of a man that will play in the middle beside Jarrell Casey, 6'7", 300 pounds, former Raven, knows Dean P's defense. Now, I'm not saying he's Jeffrey Simmons, but that's a lot of beef right there in the middle of that deal. Um, and the other thing, 
you know, you've got a secondary back there that could help up front anyway by locking stuff down. Agreed on that front. So, you know, and, and your linebackers are in pretty good shape. Um, so, you know, maybe you can afford to be able to do this. But I'll tell you this. Jeffrey Simmons doesn't have an ACL, and he's probably the fourth overall pick to the Oakland Raiders instead of <clears throat> Cleveland Farrell. That was an interesting pick in its own right to go at four. Of course, if he turns out to be as good as he could be, nobody's going to worry about the fact that they took him at four. And I That's think- where I thought, though, as that started to turn the draft, that and the Daniel Jones pick at six. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that. <laughs> I thought, okay, the Titans are going to get somebody really good at 19. Well, I mean, just like the Jags were able to get Josh Allen at seven. Right. I mean, they weren't expecting to get that guy. The guy right. they took in the second round is who they thought they were going to get potentially at seven. Juwan Taylor. Yeah. They I got mean, him a right tackle. <clears throat> yeah. No, they had a great draft. That's the thing about the AFC South is it improved over the Chris weekend. Chris Ballard might be the best drafter I've seen in a long time. What when they're they doing hired in Indianapolis him, is frightening. Oh, listen, when they hired him, I said, man, we're in trouble. Yeah. I mean, this dude is for real. He's the opposite of Ryan Grigson. <laughs> That's true. And I'll tell you what, John Robinson, this might end up being his best draft. I mean, he, you got... Well, let's talk about A.J. Brown. Yep. A.J. Brown. Brown maybe was my favorite receiver in the draft. Okay. I like Hollywood Brown. I think he's going to be pretty good for the Ravens. They went and got some skill guys going to help them out, maybe give Lamar Jackson some more things mm-hmm. to throw at that can get open down the field. A.J. Brown is a physical receiver who was incredibly prolific for Ole Miss, looks like a gamer, looks like a go-up-and-get-it kind of receiver. Look, the Titans have tried that before. It hasn't always worked. Didn't work when Justin Hunter was supposed to be a guy that could go up and get it. Didn't seem to work. Been other guys that haven't. But there's something about the A.J. Brown pick when you add that to the Adam Humphreys addition that I kind of like the makeup of this receiving core right now for Marcus if Corey Davis actually can be consistent sure. as the number five pick that he was two years ago. First things first, A.J. Brown probably had a first-round grade yeah. on John Robinson board and, and a lot of the other 32. And you get him at 51 in round two, pretty good stuff. And the other thing, uh, he's not as tall as Justin Hunter, but he's 228 pounds. Mm-hmm. This dude, the thing that Titans fans are going to be excited about, and certainly everybody watches SEC football, and if you saw them, you saw this guy make plays. But his yards after catch ability, run after catch, one of the best in the SEC because he is so thickly built. He, like, turns into a running back after he has caught the ball and is able to deliver physical play and and extend the the play down the field. That's what you're going to really love about this guy. He's a chain mover. Uh, This guy can go get you eight yards. Right. When you need six. Yes, Unlike Wizenhunt, where it's third and four, and he goes for two. Yeah, there's that. But yeah, really like that pick. Um, and really good value there, and it makes a young wide receiver core better. And Nate Davis. Nate Davis, I have liked for the better part of this year. In fact, what put him on my radar was at the Combine in Indianapolis when Charles Davis starts talking to me about a guy, and he said, no relation to me, but this kid, this kid named Nate Davis out of UNC Charlotte. He said, watch this guy. He said, he's kind of funny with his footwork, and he's a little help there, but he is physical, he's nasty, and he is a fight every snap, every down in the trenches kind of player. And you go look at his film, he's he's big, physical dude, 6'3", 3'18". 
Um, needs a little technical work just because he comes from a smaller program, but he was dominant in that you know big fish in a little pond scenario. Yeah, and we saw, look, Charlotte was able to move the football against just about anybody. Yes. And he was one of the major reasons why yes. that was possible for them. I mean, they had a good structure, but they were able to run the ball mm-hmm. consistently because he helped create space and up front. I'm not betting against him in terms of him being the right guard, you know, when they open the regular season. But he, I think he'll have that job not too far into the season, barring the obvious, you know, injuries or things like that. Because they still have Kevin Palmfield they brought back, um, and he can play right guard. Um, so, I mean, you've got some options there. But, yeah, I like that pick at at 82 in round three. What did you think about some of the other selections later well, on? Walker's going to help as well, potentially. Uh, listen, I love the fourth and fifth round pick. Amani Hooker from, from yeah, Hooker's Iowa. Cool. He's not as big as him. What was it Ferentz said about him? He said, well, Coach Mack, who knows everybody, they go back to 30 years plus, and he said, Coach Ferentz, what what kind of guy? He said, well, I know what kind of player we're getting. This guy likes to go hit. He can go do it. He can he can play slot corner, and he can play safety. He's, I mean, he's essentially a replacement for Logan Ryan, who's in the last year of his contract, if right. that doesn't work out. Right. And and he can return punts. Um, he said, "What kind of?" He said, "I know what kind of football guy we're getting. What kind of person are we getting?" He said, "Well, I'll tell you." He said, "I've been here a long time, and a guy that you guys will know well that played for me in terms of a blue collar guy that is an ultimate teammate. He said he's Carl Kluge." And I said, "Okay, that's end of story. That'll I don't play. need to know anymore." Yeah, Carl's one of my favorites. Just as good a guy as you'll ever run into, and. As physical as you want out on the football field, but a great teammate and a great, great person. So I love that pick there. And then DeAndre Walker, absolutely. Yeah. Had, All that uh, dude did was get to the quarterback. Right. And he had a sports hernia surgery back in mid January. So he was not able to participate in the Senior Bowl, did not do anything at the combine, did pretty well in his pro day. He's a little shorter than you would like i think for an ideal outside linebacker pass rusher at 62 251 but what he has is in at that initial first step quickness to bit, come off the edge to get after the quarterback but what he really has is the reach he's got 82 and a half inch wingspan that's like javon jay billis jay billis would be all over yes, that yes yes and so but yeah you, you uh 30 Four and a half inch arms or whatever, but um, he can go, you know, reach around a corner and go get a quarterback. Love that. And then David Long, the last pick at 188. Um, 5'11, 225. And from all intents and purposes, from what I could tell, was the heart and soul of the Mountaineers defense in the last two years with Dana Holgerson. And, uh, you know, Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. Amani Hooker, Big 10 mm-hmm. Defensive Player of the Year. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Long. Only linebacker in college football to lead his team in tackles, tackles for loss, and quarterback sacks. And he can play special team. He, I mean, all of these guys without Simmons, and Simmons will contribute, and I, hopefully it will be the last quarter of the season. But all these other dudes, they can contribute right now. Surprised at all they didn't get a quarterback late in this draft at all? Um, I mean, they picked up Tannehill, obviously. Right, so they had shored up the the backup situation a little bit, even though Tannehill's a bit injury prone. But maybe in the sixth or seventh round, you could have grabbed a, a Minshew or somebody like that. Maybe, maybe there's just nobody they liked. And I think that may be part of it. 
Uh, you're going to need an arm in camp, which they brought in Logan Woodside, who had played in the yeah. AAF, yeah. who was with them last year right. on a futures contract. Uh, but I think that's part of the greater plan in this, because if you look at the way John Robinson's lined this up, having Marcus Mariota in the fifth-year option and no extension and doing what he did in trading for Tannehill with one-year deal, he does not have to commit any further funds to either of those positions unless he wants to. He will dictate that based on what happens in 2019. And uh, a lot of your draft pundits will tell you the 2020 draft class of quarterbacks is going to be better than this deal. Way better. So uh, I think he's just lining up the chips for that because we've still yet to see Marcus play a full 16-game schedule healthy. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's for right now, not if, but when he gets hurt and Ryan Tannehill has to come in and help. And I think Ryan Tannehill probably would have beaten the Colts in Week 17, and the Titans would have gone to playoffs in back-to-back years. That's one of the main reasons why Blaine Gabbard isn't here. Um, and if, heaven forbid, Marcus gets hurt and is out in you know, an extended period of time, maybe Tannehill's the guy for a while. You know, and maybe you are able to go get a guy and have him learn under town. You know, there's all there's a lot of water to go under the bridge between now and then. But, uh, yeah, I think if if they would had taken a quarterback late, it would have been a developmental deal. Yep. And I think, yeah, when you got to the point where when Ryan Finley was off the board early on Saturday, because he's a guy I thought that that John Robinson liked, because mm-hmm. um, I, I think that guy has a chance to be a starter in the league. Yes, so do I. I uh, like him a lot. Liked him more than the ripping kid from Boise State. Liked him better. And than, a lot of people liked him more than Daniel Jones in the ACC. Yes, yes, absolutely. So that's that's something to yep. look at. We got one more segment. We'll be back on the other side. Big Six finishing up here on the Tuesday on one zero four five. The Zone. Oh. segment of the program tonight big six here on 104.5 the zone we're brought to you by renters warehouse dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estates renting your home without having to do the hard stuff renters warehouse the rent estate company i've been joined by titans executive producer rep brian all show tonight and that is making this pollen thing a little bit easier for my voice so it all timed out very well we talked a whole lot about the draft you missed any of this Go subscribe to the podcast, Big Six with Jason Martin. Join the millions, okay, the the hundreds, the thousands. I don't know what the number is, but I appreciate anybody that does do it. You can consume this program however you want, whenever you want, at your convenience. We'll make it available to you if you're unfortunate enough not to be able to hear us live here on the show. You can follow me on Twitter, at jmartzone. So, Rhett, Daniel Jones at 6. The room I was in, which was full of media types, <laughs> gasped. Uh-huh. There were some words that I can't say on terrestrial radio. Mm-hmm. And about 30 seconds before the pick hit, I would call him my colleague. He's been on shows I've done in the past. Joel Klatt, who also works for Fox Sports, was doing their draft coverage. And about 30 seconds before the pick, he said, you are not going to believe the pick the Giants are about to make. I hit retweet 15 seconds later. The New York Giants select Daniel Jones, quarterback Duke. And then you saw the the Giants surrender Cobra fans out there in the middle of Broadway that had no idea what happened. Dave Gettleman says two teams were going to take him before they got to 17. 
all the teams, they asked all the general managers yesterday. They all said, I don't know who he's talking about. Denver said it wasn't us. <laughs> Washington said it wasn't us. I think Washington fleeced them into thinking they wanted Daniel Jones. Washington wanted Dwayne Haskins the whole time. There and was they no doubt did not about have to that. move anywhere and no. got their guy at 15. It yeah. was brilliant. Yeah, and now you've got them in the same division. Daniel oh, yeah. Jones and Dwayne Haskins. So the Giants fans are going to have to potentially watch the guy they could have had torch them. And let me tell you another thing, too. At pick 206 in round seven, and how this guy lasted till then, I, not, I will not know, but Kelvin Harmon from NC State, mm-hmm. one of my favorite receivers in this draft, fell that far to Washington. So not only do they have Haskins, they got a guy to throw to who will go up and go get that ball. He's not the biggest, he's not the fastest, but he is a combat catcher, as Coach McGinnis would say. And I'm telling you, that was a steal for them, but the Giants going going back to Daniel Jones. I mean, look if he's the guy, if he turns out to be great, we'll all okay. And I, I'm not rooting against Daniel no. Jones. I'm kind of rooting for no. him. I feel sorry for him. The funniest tweet I saw all day Thursday after he picked was Daniel Jones looks like the actor picked to play Eli Manning in a biopic about Peyton Manning's life on the Lifetime Movie Network. Yeah, on the Hallmark Channel. And his mom is played by Meredith Baxter Burney. Oh yes. <laughs> That's pretty good stuff. Uh, and look, David Cutcliffe is an excellent coach. He also has some misses, though. Whispers. He has had some misses. That's right. I I thought that they would take Dwayne Haskins right there at seven. And when they took Daniel Jones, again, I thought, well, Titans getting ready to get somebody really good at 19 because this thing is just turned on its axis. And it did. Yep. So what do you think of Dave Gettleman at this point? All the things he's done. He well, trades Odell Beckham, obviously. He lets Snacks Harrison go. He grabs Lawrence at 17, who the Titans had even looked at, sure. at Dexter Lawrence. Yeah. Maybe he turns out to be great. And it just seems like the Giants are not built right now to succeed. No. And I, if I'm Saquon Barkley, I am really yeah. upset. Because they're going to run him a thousand times. Going to wear him out. They're going to run him a, before he can a, ever get to a second contract. Robert Mays, the ringer, said, I feel so bad for Saquon Barkley. He's going to rush for 1,500 yards on 1,600 carries. Yeah. I mean, that's. Yeah, yeah Dave Gettleman, uh, the old GM seat might be getting warm there because that's a brutal market. Yeah. Brutal market. Anything um, else surprise you in the first round of the draft or that you're like, ooh? That one's scary. I mean, no, obviously, Josh I, Allen at seven is something to look at. The Steelers uh-huh. came up and took my Broncos pick, but but Denver goes back and gets Noah Fant, and I like that pick. I like grabbing him as a tight sure. end. And then, what do you think of Drew Locke, who we got at like 42 when we went back up and grabbed a quarterback that might be the quarterback of the future? He's got the, He has the arm of the draft. I mean, he, he's got it. It's just whether it's consistency yeah. or not with him. But no. Uh, I, that night, I told go- Coach McGinnis, I'm like, they're trading up right here. I said, this is where Locke goes because they're not going to let him fall any further. They didn't think he'd be there then. Um, but yeah, there's some, there's some, there always is surprise moments and picks in every draft. And then what you like to do, what I can't stand is giving immediate draft grades before the ridiculous. Nobody knows anything cool. right now. No. Yeah, look at you want to look at a draft class. Look at the 2016, 2017 draft classes that people took, and you can get an idea about whether they've had success or not. Can we also stop overrating mock drafts and saying, "Ooh, Mel Kiper Jr.'s got this guy mocked 15 to the Miami Dolphins or whatever to the Washington Redskins"? In this case, who cares? 
These guys end up getting like six picks right out of the first round. Well, and uh, now listen, I'd be the first to admit to you, I love mock drafts. I enjoy it, but we can't but look at them like in, they're gospel. I do not put any stock in them whatsoever. I find that some of them I find humorous, interesting, uh, silly, but no, I don't. Um, they're not the gospel, not at all, because there still has to be thirty-two war rooms with thirty-two head coaches, owners, and general managers that make the decisions. Yeah. So, so we've got about a minute left. We're going to do a pop six later this week to finish up the office, and we're going to do our talent draft. And after I win that talent draft, <laughs> he's already talking smack. Yeah, he must. He must think I'm the Dave Gettleman in this. Jason Martin does. Next week, <laughs> we are going to do a Marvel podcast. Brad doesn't know this yet, but he's going to be a part of this. We're going to talk Endgame, and we're going to talk the Marvel Cinematic Universe in great detail. It may take more than one week. I'm not totally sure yet. Uh, You are welcome to be a part of that. Okay, cool. As well. As is your daughter, who I know is also a gigantic Marvel Cinematic Universe fan. Gracie is. I know you haven't seen it yet. She has, and I haven't, and I'm a little envious. $350 plus million in just North America over the weekend was over a hundred more than anything else has ever done. Good and that gracious. includes the force awakens and everything else under the sun. Wow. And that's in 2019 ticket prices. Like if you raised all of them, it's not based on when it actually came out. Mm-hmm. That's impressive. Yeah. That just makes me want to see it even more. Now I have to do that. Yeah. Well you will. And I will see it for a 50th time. <laughs> all right, folks, that's it for the big six. We'll see you again tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. God bless. And good night.